Hello guys, so today we have um, Miss Azola Ndongeni, um, if she could just introduce herself. Okay, um, hi guys, so as Osnalo has just introduced my name, uh, my name is Azola Ndongeni and I'm a final year law student here at UWC. Um, and I have a very big heart and ambition for community service and community development. And I've been doing quite a few things to, to enhance that ambition in the last six, seven, eight years <laughs> since I was in high school. So I think a lot of people, if you were to ask someone, who am I or what it is about me that they would remember the most, I think people tend to talk about my community development initiatives or programs that I've been part of. So that's me. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, part of um, RISE, which is this podcast, is to document African excellence and also um, show others how um, one can rise above the adversities one can, you know, invoke change in their community. And I do believe that we will unpack a lot that you have done, a lot that you have done to inspire um, other people, especially the youth in South Africa and also in the area we're in right now, the Western Cape. But before we delve into that, um, I'd like to know, who is Azola and where does she come from? Hmm. Ah. So I I was born and raised in the Western Cape, um, specifically a Kailicha. is where I grew up. Culture. Yes, then was a culture. Um, I'm raised by my mom and my granny, and I'm an only child. Both my mom and granny were domestic workers growing up. My mom is still one. And I come from a big family. I am an only child, but I come from a typical black household where Mama, my granny, my aunts, my uncles, my hundred cousins. Mm. So growing up, we've always been a huge family. I think at some point there were like 20 people living in one household. In one house. yeah. Yes, <laughs> like that's how huge um, my family is. And... Uh, um, we also a typical black household where we don't have like multiple bedrooms. So I grew up in a in, in those circumstances where we had to share everything. Make space. Um, and mm. it is still the case, but we're now like fewer in mm. the house. So that's the background I come from. Oh. I was also raised by Abelung Bagamama, okay. the family she works for. Family, yeah which changed my life and my perspective forever. They taught me how to speak English. I was two years old when my mom started working for that family. They taught me how to read. They taught me how to write. Um, They introduced me to community development. I think they inspired me to want to give back to my community because they gave back to our society through me. Mm. So that's where I come from. 
And so I've always, I've, I've always been an active child um, growing up because I think from a young age, I quickly understood who I was, who I am, where I come from, and like my background. And so I was really young when I started envisioning a future and asking questions how can i get to that future yeah and yeah and um so you're saying that you grew up in the western cape yes and uh, i would assume that your your high school yeah and um how would you describe your high school experience like i went to claremont high school which is in the southern suburbs of cape town around Rondebosch side, oh, like okay. close to UCT. Yeah. So the only reason I was able to go to that school was through Abilungba Gamama. They paid for my fees, fees yeah. and everything. So I had like a really good schooling mm. background because I was fortunate to have people pay for my education through mm. that. So my high school experience was really good. I had access to, to quality education. Quality, yeah. I had access to programs. I had access to quality teachers and I was young but I was like this is an opportunity that could never like Mm. just happen to anyone and that's the reason I did so many programs in high school I was like I need to make use of this opportunity Opportunity. I need to try everything at some point I was studying Mandarin (laughs) because I was like maybe I'm I can be good in this I've always been a child who wants to try things and just try everything because i was given that rare opportunity to try things and And yeah i think that's a very good thing to do especially nowadays um i was reading um this article i i think you know the guy but he he likes um like talking about empowerment and everything related to how we need to remove ourselves from you know the shackles of what society would say mm. about us and everything and i was talking about how one should use their 20s to try everything i just forgot his mm. name now but i do know that he has appeared on the joe rogan um, podcast at mm-hmm. the stage so it's really amazing that you have this great experience um of your mother's um employer mm. like assisting you with school teaching you um how to you know read and write i mean that's really great and i i think you know those were godsend people because some people don't have great experiences of yeah. their employers mm, you know exactly as long as they just pay them like they pay their workers yeah and they don't care i was but yeah we were lucky like my family we were we are always grateful to them. They yeah. like family to us. Yeah, and um, so how did you then come with law? Like, I'm so interested with all my classmates. Oh yeah, as well as my classmates, guys. Um, with all my classmates, I always want to tap in the question of why law. Um, what propelled you to come the side? Yeah. So in high school, I was part of um our debating um society. I did debating from grade eight. Um, through my entire high school period and I enjoyed debating so much I enjoyed the critical thinking part of debating I think it was through debating where I learned how to think logically and critically and how to 
have conversations that are constructive with people. And I think that's very important to me mm. and just important in society as a whole to be able to have those constructive conversations, right? Mm. And it's a great life school. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And so when I was considering career options, I was like, this is something I would want to do. And I think back then I didn't really do my proper research in law. I thought all lawyers do is debate. Debate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't disappointed when I realized, ah, there are different angles, angles and yeah. sides into this law I was thing. having a conversation with uh, Jacob. Mm. And Jacob was like, um, I was saying to him, look, a lot of people think law or being a lawyer is court yeah. or the office arguing yeah and it you know it it it, it includes um other facets which people or general people don't know about even law students mm. there's so many law students who are sleeping on other career options that they can <coughs> use with their law degrees yeah sure it's so it was debating that really so yeah me. it was definitely debating um but also i grew up knowing I want to be in the public sector and like government and maybe politics, but like politics, not really. (laughs) I was always into government Government. and just the public sector. And there's a difference. There is a difference. There's a difference, yeah. Um, And so, and so when I came in, I was like, okay, maybe I can study like a BA in politics, Mm. which I did in my first year. Oh, yes. I, I swapped to law. You swapped to law. After, oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. You need to tell us about I did, that. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so I was like, okay, I, I, I want a degree that's going to help me to get into the public sector mm. or one that's going to help me to continue with community development initiatives, but one that's also going to help me to engage in constructive um, right. conversations, conversations and yeah. to affect just policy in our society. Mm-hmm. And I thought that studying law would better equip me yeah. to advance in that field. <clears throat> but during my law degree, obviously I got exposed to what else I can do, can do yeah. with this law degree. Yeah. I got exposed to corporate and what is available in corporate. Mm-hmm. But also my mind kind of changed from wanting to just you know, being government and in the public sector mm-hmm. to just maybe being in corporate law, law yeah. because then I had to like ask myself the difficult questions like, okay, you what's important, especially in the first few years of your career is that you make money. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, a person from my background does cannot just want to drive your passion. Yeah. So passion early. is not enough. Yes. Um, unfortunately, one needs to look at, the financial aspect exactly. of things, especially um, our backgrounds, we we all want to do or say the black child wants to give back mm. to their family. And yeah, some people term it as black tax. I call it giving back, yeah. Um, yeah. which is really important. Yeah. Yeah, you need to look at the money as at times or you need to also consider the money, not just passion. Passion mm. cannot be the only um, determinant yeah. which you use. Yeah, definitely. So mm. I definitely will go back to like community service, like mm-hmm. in the long term. <clears throat> yeah. I think that's where I would retire, mm. doing a job that will require me to. And develop there's, there's nothing wrong with you doing it um, 
whilst you're pursuing your yeah. career. For instance, in corporate, there's one area in corporate that I, I like so much called corporate social responsibility. Yes. So I was like at a point engaged with finding out the different projects mm-hmm. that are related or community projects that um, these big corporates mm. get into. Yeah. And you find, for instance, your mining companies, they they fund everything like that has to do with um, community infrastructure, providing water, mm, exactly. housing, and everything. And um, it really triggered something in me to say that the provision of services is not just government's it responsibility, exactly, but um, the private sector also has an equal role to mm, play. Yeah, because, a role to play. Yeah. I don't know about equality. Okay, okay, equality. Just leave equality, but rather say they also have a role to play, yeah. which um, would entail that they also give back to these communities, which would entail that they also have a contribution towards infrastructure, towards education, towards, um, I don't know, what else? Yeah, so, Electricity? yeah. <laughs> yeah, so while working in corporate, I could definitely be giving back yeah. in my community. So, um, yeah, I, I would say don't shut that door um, for retirement. So, yeah. do you think you are going to do, like, articles <sighs> or pupillage? Um, definitely not pupillage. <laughs> so, soon. so soon. No, definitely not. Okay. But see, I, okay. I definitely will go. I, I want, to, want to, be to be admitted as yeah. an advocate at some point, point. but I think it's important to be in corporate first, mm. to establish relationships. I think it's important to establish for yourself a network, for mm. me, in my case, before going into going there, yeah. the bar. Yeah. I don't want to go to the bar on my own. On your own. I don't think I can then, add value mm. alone. You know, that, that was such a... I don't know. I, I struggled with that for a very long time throughout my studies. I think since 2020, mm. um, having to choose between am I doing articles or am I doing pupillage, you know? Mm. And I know of people who went straight from university yeah. to the bar, you know, and they're doing pretty well. Yeah. But they would tell you that, look, it was really hard. Yeah. At the same Can time, I was advised against it that look, you need to get your skill set in order. Yeah. You need to build that network. Um, by the time you go to the bar and you know that you are equipped with necessary knowledge, skills, and network to actually make sure that your practice is sustainable yeah. and you're able to sustain yourself at the exactly. end of the day. So yeah, so you spoke about the community projects or community development. Uh, projects that you into like would you mind sharing um some of the things that yeah. you've been into um oh, there's a lot but most recently most recently okay yeah let me tell you about the one i had to start myself so i recently founded a it, it's not an organization but sort of like a campaign called um children's voices Right. Mm-hmm. So Children's Voices was a or is a platform where I took about 18 to 25 children from Kailicha and Mitchell's Plain 
which is another township just next to Kailicha, to be part of the program. And the point of the program was to introduce children who come from township backgrounds to the different programs that exist in Cape Town and in the Western Cape. Mm. Because while we have all these programs in the Western Cape, like the Junior City Council, which I was a part of before, we have um, the Children's Parliament, we have the UK Children's um, Save the Children um, program. But we we have got Rotary. But children... The Rotary Club. The Rotary International Club. But children from these townships they do not have access to those programs. Mm. They don't know that these programs exist. Mm. They don't know that they can simply be part of a program and get to travel abroad for free by Mm. being part of a program. program, And of course, by adding value to the program. And so I started Children's Voices to ensure that these children, these 20 children who come from different schools in Kailicha and Meacher's Plain, they have access to these programs so they can go back to their schools and give access to other children. Yeah. So what we did with Children's Voices was I I had a mentorship um, aspect of the program where I spoke to um, some few members of parliament and councillors and people in government to give their time to mentor these cool. children yeah. and to give them space to job shadow. Yeah. Because I took children who were interested in like parliamentary stuff, stuff yeah. like debates and just... Um, community initiatives. Governance. And so I had MPs and councillors and MECs to mentor the kids by allowing them to go to their offices and like spend about two to three days um, mm. in those offices. So that was like one of the um, aspects of the program. Mm. Another uh, thing that we did was I called a few of my friends who are um, debating coaches to spend a day um, with the kids mm. to like teach them about um, just how to debate, how to 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 speak in public, how to think critically. I had Ola Zola, um, um, to to pre- present in one of those sessions um, mm. before. And what else did we do in the program? We also, yeah, we also took them around, like to Parliament and to our have a um, tour, yeah, City Council, mm. Cape Town Council chambers to have a tour and to like meet councillors and to ask questions. <clears throat> so. I think that's like one of my like very like closest program mm. that I I did because it, it it did something that I always advocate for, which is to ensure that people have access to mm. information, to ensure that people know that things exist. Mm. And as a result, we had a few children who ended up being part of the larger national children's parliament mm. and who then traveled to Johannesburg to to go and participate in that forum. So yeah, that's one of my um, initiatives. Yeah, yeah that I did a Kailicha. Um, I also was part of like this. Now is back in high school. I was part of the Junior City Council in of Cape Town, where I was in the executive committee as the junior deputy mayor. So our responsibility in the Junior Council was to. We were like what councillors, mini what councillors, yeah, junior councillors. But we were like what counselors in our schools. Oh yes. In and in our communities where we had to go to our schools, look at issues that exist, and then report them back to like the, the, the larger council. council. Okay. Yes. But mainly we had to do initiatives in our schools. Yeah. 
yes. like uh, because I went to like Claremont and like the southern suburbs, the initiatives that were we were doing that side were like cleaning beaches. Oh yeah, and like we were big on climate change in my sub council. So did you guys ever then engage um, as the junior city council? Mm engage on uh debates Hmm. as the larger council we okay so this is my biggest critique of the council at the time it was it was very structured they would we would like meet once a month in council and they would only allow maybe the executive to go and like give speeches and the chairpersons Mm. so they would ask like each member of the executive or our sub-council chairpersons to talk about what they have done in their sub-councils. And we never really had a topic that would be put on the floor and mm. have people discuss. people discuss. Maybe, but this was a long time ago. Maybe oh. we did, maybe I can't recall it. Yes. But uh, the topics name the, the debates, um, they occurred when we had our like mini projects within our sub-councils, yeah. where maybe like my sub-council, for example, at some point we, we had a session amongst ourselves, junior mm. counselors, and we just spoke about like topics that are mm. affecting children affecting and children youth in Cape Town. Yeah. And we just have those debates amongst ourselves. But so, yeah. That that is quite interesting because at the end of the day, um you guys are like, oh the youth is the future of the country. So um for anyone who's gonna be going towards that direction then they do have some, um, I'll say, experience towards um, how one does conduct themselves as a public servant, yeah. you know. And I think it's very important to actually see the long ter- the long term uh, tenure of of governance in our mm. country and who do we have in public office and to have people who openly state that look. I want to be in government. I want to be involved in governance and I want, or I see a life um, as a public servant. And um, yeah, I was actually going to suggest to you that there's actually this um, master's program called multi-level governance. I don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah, I think Ivan is doing it. Yes, Ivan is doing it and they're having a talk where they're showcasing the program i think next week Mm. if not the week after next week so it's such things that you need to look into yeah definitely i'll check it out so quite recently you went somewhere i went somewhere yeah (laughs) where did you go i don't want to break and say somewhere i went to germany (laughs) and how was germany (laughs) (laughs) uh germany was amazing i always say or i always say to myself that like returning from Germany, I came back with an entirely different perspective of how I can lose my, my, my law degree. And I feel like my dreams have entirely shifted mm. because I got introduced Georgia. to so much more mm. that is available out there and that, again, people don't have access to. And it it just reminded me again of how important it is to have access and to give people access. Mm. So Germany was a life-changing experience and like 
opportunity for me. Mm. I remember when I went in. So when I got the job, I, I already knew that this is going to be big. And I wanted to make sure that I use the opportunity, opportunity. like to the best of my ability. Yeah. And I even remember I approached Professor Brighton. I was like, Prof, um, this is happening. I got this opportunity. I know you've like done a few things like this, like traveled abroad. Yeah. How can I make this opportunity the best? How can I stand out? Oh, yeah. And he gave me lifetime advice. He told me what I had to do. He told me you need to learn the culture. He told me like read on the firm, their projects, get there, ask questions, um, be interested, get involved in their family life. Germans are family-oriented people. Mm. And and I did just that. And it, it was amazing when I smiled. Yeah. <laughs> like every day I was like, hi, guys. When you, when you got back, because I'm, I'm a foodie, so the first question I had to ask was, <laughs> how was the food? <laughs> Um, because I think for me, <laughs> that's one of the most important things. Yeah, it's very important. It's yeah. very important. <laughs> How is the food? And I think it's like very great for people our age, <clears throat> excuse me, to have, um, such experiences because I do believe that traveling does, um, enhance the mind Yeah. and you do get exposed to different people. You do get exposed to things that in your own country you might take lightly mm. um, and actually feel um, fortunate that you have them when other people don't. So it was really great. And I, I was really, I was following you up on, on your posts whilst you were, <laughs> you were gone and we were freezing here whilst you were in summer. <laughs> summer. Oh my, it really does change your perspective. I remember, so I had my braids now. And I had a few people ask Net to touch my hair. Yeah. And I I didn't mind, right? And then this one time I was like, I, I was still there and I was reflecting. And I said to myself, if I was in South Africa and a few years ago and a white person asked to touch my hair, I would have freaked out. <laughs> I would have immediately thought that was wrong. That was inappropriate. But going in there and not minding people asking to touch my hair it taught me that it's not always about inappropriacy and it's not wrong or it's not racism, but it's people who've never seen this seen, before. Yeah. And it's people who are curious. Mm. And I also found myself like asking questions and wanting to touch people's stuff yeah. because I'm curious and it's because I've never, yeah, I've never seen this before. So <laughs> no. it entirely changes your perspective yeah so yo it was amazing it was incredible it was my second time traveling to europe and i remember like reflecting again on my first time when i was like mm, i was a child back then i didn't really understand what was happening i didn't understand i didn't appreciate the value of everything that was happening around me and so i had so much i, I made a lot of intentional decisions mm. and Everything I did in Germany, I planned it. It, it was intentional. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is an opportunity and I am going to use it. it. I think yeah. one of my most memorable um, moments was this one time I was invited by one of the senior partners in the firm to do dinner with his family. And I got to their house 
beautiful home, beautiful family, beautiful children. There was lots of food, different things that I don't know. And I had to, I had to try everything because it's rude. It was a, it was a it's buffet. It's rude to say no. It was a buffet. Yeah. And it, you know, it was amazing. I was like, oh, my God. But what was important for me from that um, evening was meeting the wife, ne? Yes. who is a one of the senior law professors at one of the private law um, institutions, is, yeah. who also is amongst the people who set their the final year law exams. Oh, so wow. Germany has one law exam for every final year law student in the country. Oh. So each university does not set its, set own, its paper. own. The they state, the state, the state the sets the paper. Wow. Yeah. So the lady is part of the people who set that paper, mm. and she went to Harvard for her for her LM and for her PhD. And just the conversations that we were having in that table. So enriching. I was like, I, brah, I was like, <laughs> where's my notebook? Yeah. I shouldn't be eating. I should have my diary right in front of me and taking you notes know, because yeah. I was so inspired and yeah. I learned so much. And I think especially like what I learned was to just not limit yourself. Yeah. I've never been someone who limits myself. Yeah. I've, I've always like, gone after things I don't even qualify for. And yeah, sorry to inject mm. like interject. Um it's very important like when you get into these spaces to become a sponge, like you need to realize that look, I'm the small one here yeah. and there's a lot I can learn. Mm. And as much as one would want to prove themselves and yeah. stand out and make an impression, but at times you just need to pause mm. and then be a sponge and take in yeah Yeah. so that was really great yeah yeah it was it was inspiring i was so inspired Mm. and i think it was that night when i like went back to my drawing board Board, of like where i see myself in the next five years Mm. because my my perspective on like all my dreams just entirely shifted you know when you came back we spoke about germany Mm. and you mentioned something that made me in a way run back to my room because there's this thing i'm currently working on Mm. um on the african free trade um african continental free trade agreement um whereby i had problems with it or not really problems but a concern on how it would be implemented Mm. so I'm more interested in the legal implications of it, you know. How do we ensure cross-border laws that are consistent with, um, let's say, the AU, you know, as our principal organization? So um, you spoke about people residing in one country and working (laughs) in another. And for me, that was so mind-blowing. Like, I I would love to stay in South Africa but work in Botswana. Right, you know? right. Yeah, like that really made sense for mm. me, you know. And um, I always look at Europe with envy mm. in terms of why can't Africa be like that, you know? Yeah. And um, we then went into Prasa mm. and the railway system, mm. you know. And when you drive, especially from here to Cape Town to the Eastern Cape, you know, you'd like get heartbroken because the railway system is in shambles. Yeah. And then as you get close to the cities, so for instance, if you're going to move from Cape Town, maybe the next city would be 
um, Port Elizabeth, which is Kabecha now. Mm. And within the city locally, then the trains do work maybe for the 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 cargo in terms of from the harbor mm. and um yeah maybe the people as well you know in certain instances but we don't have a full um railway system yeah. again so like we did in the past and um this was really interesting for me because it's something you cover in your paper yeah 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 i think the answer to all our problems is a a, an effective transport system. If we want those cross-border relations where you can work and stay in another country, you resolve that by having an effective transport system. Mm. And I think Europe and China are prime examples in terms of how that can be done through yeah. the railway. China, they also have a very good um, railway yeah, system. I know China has this, it's called what? The eight-second train. Yes. The train like the, yeah. covers a kilometer in eight seconds. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like a bullet train. Yeah. So so in my research paper I'm looking at what went wrong with Prasa and why the state of rail in South Africa is at the way it is. And I obviously proposed the devolution of our railway systems mm. where I say let local and provincial levels of government have access to the management of Prasa mm. and let these local governments or these subnational governments mm. be able to run their own trains. Mm. Actually, the city of Cape Town has been for over a decade proposing to the national government, the government. to allow the city to be the one that runs trains in Cape Town. <clears throat> in that way, the city has direct access mm. to the rail itself the city which has direct access to or which is the one closest to the people who need trains, commuters, is the best or is at the best position to understand the local needs of the community. Mm -hmm. And therefore, if people are the ones who understand what these communities need, mm -hmm. it makes sense that they are the ones who are running mm -hmm. the trains that are being used in those communities. So... That's my proposal, basically. That's what I'm saying needs to happen. Let us devolve the railway mm. and in support of what the city of Cape Town is trying to do, which obviously the national government is totally against, because should that happen, then city of Cape Town has access, or every other local government has access, access to, to, to process statements sure. from 1994. Yeah. And that's not going to be good yeah. for the national government. So I, I, I yearn for a country where we have a good train system because if we have a good train system, if people can move freely and within shorter periods of time from mm. province to province, from country to country, we can drive an economy. Yeah. We, we can get jobs to be created. But most importantly, if a country has a good transport system, we are able to attract global investors. Mm. We will be an attractive country in the global community. Mm. And we are currently not. There are lots of investors. Part of my research paper, I'm also looking into um, which or the number of global investors that do not want to invest in South Africa because we don't have a good transport system. And we could resolve issues like that mm. and therefore create jobs. I think the biggest problem, like <coughs> as you know, in our country is unemployment. Yeah. And 
an ordinary person wouldn't think that having a train that works can actually help resolve that issue. It can. Yeah, it can. Um, I think one of the biggest things which impede on our economic growth would be inconvenience. Mm. And having a poor transport system breeds inconvenience. Yeah. We are seeing right now with load shedding, it's a major inconvenience which leads to many um, businesses closing their doors because they just cannot keep up with load shedding and also running the business. Mm. And back to your research paper, I'm quite interested because there are similarities I can draw with mine. Mm. I merely mention Prasa. I don't focus on it because um, I'm, I'm dealing with the legal framework which governs the appointment and dismissal yeah. of, of the board and executive managers. Mm. Of the, I'd say I look at SOEs mm-hmm. and SOCs overall. and I don't have a specific focus. Mm. But this brings me to something you're saying about having these competencies uh, from the national government Mm. to provincial. Because, I mean, um, transport might be better managed in that case. And it's one of the arguments that I bring that um, we have so many SOEs, we have so many SOCs, and they are all under national government. Yeah. And national government does not have, we're not saying they're not capable, but it does not have the time or, or, or the, the capacity. Well, we, we might, we might uh, you know, uh, debate that one. But <laughs> the point I, I'm trying to make is we don't have to have everything under national yeah, government. Yeah, definitely. And we're not even saying... Give local governments and provincial governments these powers and Mm. you'll be left with nothing. We're saying that share the responsibilities with sub-national governments. And it makes sense because, um, especially with what you're raising, transport. Um, Transport is like closest thing to the people. Mm. And it would make sense for it to be under the scope of local and provincial Mm. government. Yeah, I think they need to go back to the drawing board and ask the question, why do we have provincial departments of education mm. and not just the national, national department, department of education? And it's primarily to get closer to the people. Exactly. And it's yeah. working. It is working. We don't have one home affairs where we all go that is managed by the national government. We have different home affairs offices in our um, respective towns. Yeah. You know, But... You know, with with your with your research paper, it's 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 really inspiring because when we deal with our country's problems, sometimes or we we tend to I don't know be emotional about it. We tend, yeah, we we tend to be too ideological. <laughs> I I. I ideology aside let's do the work (laughs) exactly exactly i i really believe in if things are not working let's try a different system System. yeah it's it's for example this we might not agree on this one yeah look at the triple bee okay the triple bee was introduced to 
uplift black people from poverty yeah. and from the harms that the apartheid system had yeah. caused. Mm. And good idea. I support the idea, the idea of the BEE. Uplifting. Yes. Mm. Now, today, almost 30 years later, we asked the question, is the BEE working? Has the BEE served yeah. the black community? Who mm. has the BEE served? Has the BEE rather created a few billionaires within the black community? community yeah. Did the BEE reach or did the BEE only reach from what we see, those who are closer to the proximity of power? Mm. And if the answers to these questions are yes, then I think we need to go back to the drawing board and, and change the and system change because it, it's yeah. not working. And so my proposal would be that I always say, and like people don't agree with this when I say race is not a proxy to disadvantage now. Mm. A proxy to disadvantage is poverty. People must be given opportunities by the government because they are poor and they need to be uplifted. Mm. Not given opportunities because they are black. Because when we only look at a person's skin color, then we uplift black people who are already privileged. Privileged, mm. And that is not okay. It's like, I like to make the NSFAS example. Imagine if NSFAS did not use the class um, brackets. Oh, yeah, in, the in, brackets. In, yeah, in giving. The 350,000. Yeah. Imagine if NSFAS was just like, no, we, we're only going to give opportunities to black people. There would be students who come from proper rich families who are using NASFAS, not because they need NASFAS, but because they are black. Mm. Do you think that would be fair? Couldn't. It wouldn't be mm. fair. And that's the problem with the BEE. <laughs> well, BEE is a contentious issue because... It is. Um, yeah, I, I, it is a great idea. Very great. Uh, I also believe it has compromised a lot in South Africa in terms of it has not really uplifted the black person, but rather uplifted a few black people mm. at the expense of other black people. And um, yeah, it is something that one needs to relook or that we need to relook. Mm. Um, and I believe that our generation has the potential of, of looking through such things. You know, um, there's something I actually want us to like do whereby we we have this forum and we just discuss and bring in people from all walks of life um the youth yeah. people in business people in community development people in science and all that and the chief question that i would like us to unpack there is what is South Africa that we want mm. and such a forum would not just comprise of young black South Africans but also young white South Africans because and we are all South Africans at the end of the day but all in all um, Azola just before we close um, what what would your closing words be uh, in light of the listener who is a student, who is just started work, who is still trying to figure out their life 
in light of South Africa and in light of chasing their dreams? <sighs> oh my God. I came across this um, Kosa idiom that I think is going to sit with me like forever. I don't know if you took his class in high school. No, I did Afrikaans. You did Afrikaans. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I took his class again. Nah? Yeah. And there's this idiom that like I will always remember. And I think it has like carried me through from high school up until now. It says, what does it say? Wait, wait. It says, oh my gosh. Beleko eating. It, yeah, it's like in Beleko. It's uh, something like in Beleko. Hey, I don't know. Wait, it's on my phone, but like, it's it, it's my literal message to Kaya. So what does it say? Okay, so there's this um closer idiom, ne, that I think has carried me through from high school up until now. The idiom says mm-hmm. ne, which means that or itetukuti. Oh, it's, 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 can I can I yeah, think yeah, it's class? State. Okay, <laughs> so it means bana or it 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 means indo oyenzayo awingami ne kenya imezelo ibomini and umtufnege azingise anga nigezeli lula ne and so that's my message to young people like life is tough. Life is difficult for for all of us, but you need to know who you are. You need to know what your vision looks like. You need to know how you're going to get there. You need to ask questions to people. The most important thing, now what has carried me and what I think will definitely carry me up until later in life is my ability to network. Mm. I think it's so important to be able to have confidence in yourself that when you get to spaces, you network with people, you talk to Speak people, to them, you yeah. ask people questions, you ask for help, mm-hmm. most importantly, asking for help. Abandobacha don't like asking for, for help. help. Yeah, they don't. You must be humble at all times. But most importantly, I think when you get an opportunity, especially like an opportunity to speak or just an opportunity in life, you need to always be the best version of yourself. Do your best, no matter where you are. Be the best that you can be. Because you never know who is watching. There's someone in every room that's watching and that's looking. It could be your day because you are the best. So, yeah, I think Abandu just need to, you know, have confidence in themselves. Learn if you don't know how to network. Teach yourself how to network. Ask people how do they do it. And just make those meaningful you know, friendships and relationships. Mm. Yo, this was great, Azola. Um, I must say, with what you've been in, uh, what you've been exposed to going abroad, um, I haven't been abroad, but I always want to find out from people that have been there of how it is. And yeah, so um, from my side, I would just like to say, Continue doing the work that you do. And as you're saying, someone is watching. Um, we are watching. And we watch in admiration. We watch in um, inspiration. 
of the great work that you do for other South Africans who are not um, fortunate enough, you know, and um, we're grateful. And um, from my side, I would just like to say that keep shining. And as the podcast says, rise. Um, you've showed that you have risen above your adversities and you have just become this beacon of hope. So continue doing the good work. Thank and you. Yeah, thank you very much.